every now and then I get a letter from uh, students. Just the other day I got this one. I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna quote from this directly. It kind of helps helps us remember why we're doing this. Here's the letter. It says, You may not remember me, but I was in your class many years ago. It was Halloween. I hated Halloween. But then you came up with awesome lesson plans involving Halloween short stories that didn't involve Edgar Allan Poe. You see, I assume that people who liked Halloween were mentally disturbed freaks with alcohol and opium problems. After you shared awesome Halloween le- stories not by Poe, I became a fan of the holiday and even wrote my own stories about wizards and witches and goblins and all sorts of magical creatures. Thanks, your former student, J.K. I tell you, that really... Really meant a lot to me. Now, do full disclosure. I did a Google search for an author named J.K. who writes about wizards and magical creatures, but found nothing. So we just have to take J.K.'s word for it. Most ELA teachers feel like they don't have enough time to get everything done that they need to get done. That's why everything we do here at the Teaching ELA podcast is designed to help you leave on time today and still have a great lesson tomorrow. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms. Whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy, I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. In today's episode of the Teaching ELA podcast, I discuss several short stories for Halloween that weren't written by Edgar Allan Poe. They include The Monkey's Paw, The Lottery, Rappuccini's Daughter, There Will Come Soft Rain, Sonata for a Harp and a Bicycle, Land of the Slaughter, The Landlady, and A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings. Now, as always, I've got an emergency lesson plan you can get on the board right now. Class is about to start and you need something right now. So here's the one thing you can put on the board right now so when the students come in, you'll be ready to roll. All lesson plans we discuss in this podcast can be found at ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. Today's two-minute emergency lesson plan, let's just go with suspense, shall we? It's Halloween after all. Step one, write the objective on the board. This is the objective for this lesson. I can cite textual evidence to analyze suspense. Now you're covered. No matter who walks in, it'll look like you spent hours preparing this. Two, you're going to want to uh, make a chart. Label the left column of this chart suspense. Label the right column explanation. You're going to want to emphasize that the right column explanation will need to include the method the author used to create the suspense. So every answer in the right column will include foreshadowing or pacing or dangerous action. Make sure you write above the chart analyzing suspense in whatever short story you decide to read today for Halloween. Class comes in. Go over the three methods authors authors use to create suspense. Again, foreshadowing. You know what that is. Pacing. That's just taking your time telling the story. And dangerous action. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Go over that. Read the story and fill out the chart as you read. Or you can have students fill out the chart on their own, or you can have them read silently, get in groups, fill out the chart that way. It's your class. Just giving you ideas. You have a teaching license, right? I mean, if not, why are you listening to this? Unless you're a college student. Good luck. All right. If you listened to the Edgar Allan Poe podcast episode and looked at the show notes there, you'll probably already have a suspense chart downloaded that you could just make. Now, I don't know if you can make copies of it in two minutes. You could certainly, if you have a projector, project it on the board. Most, you know, my, my classroom, I can hook my computer up to some fancy smart board. Do it that way. Afterwards, you can assign a writing prompt that requires citing textual evidence to support analysis. Something along the lines of how does the author create suspense in whatever story you read? You might want to use the race strategy 
restate and answer the question, cite textual evidence, and explain. So again, real quick, write the objective on the board. Make a chart two columns. Left column is example of suspense. They're citing specific textual evidence. The right column is explain the suspense and identify whether it's foreshadowing, pacing, or dangerous action. They ask the explanation part. Once they have that chart filled out, they have everything they need to know to write something intelligent. That's an entire 53-minute or more lesson plan that took you approximately two minutes to prepare. And since you're an actual licensed teacher with a degree in everything... Feel free to modify it for your class. Let's get to our list of Halloween short stories not by Edgar Allan Poe. We're going to start with one that you all know. We talked about this when we... Oh, actually, I, I talked about it when I did my Symbolism podcast, which actually hasn't been published yet. So a little preview. It's The Monkey's Paw by W.W. Jacobs. This, this short story actually should have been written by Poe. In fact, I accidentally put it in my Edgar Allan Poe lesson plan bundle once because it was so Poe-esque. I know there's so much you could go with here with the monkey's father's mood, setting, suspense, of course, symbolism, as you'll find out in, uh, I believe, next week's podcast. The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. So before the Hunger Games, there was the lottery. And unlike a lot of the stories we teach on on or near Halloween, there are no supernatural forces at work here. Which makes this story even scarier because there's a nice... 20-minute video. Made the year I was born, by the way. I didn't make it, though. That would have been... uh... Anyhow, the video will creep out the staunchest of Halloween revelers. I'm going to be honest, I find this story kind of boring, but a lot of people like it. And there's a nice little ironic twist at the end. Here's a light-hearted love story called A Sonata for a Harp and a Bicycle. You could also read this on Valentine's Day. It's uh, some dudes in a haunted uh, hotel. and Anyhow, I happened to come across it in one of my literature textbooks. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So if you want something a little more lighthearted, maybe you just have uh, 10 or 15 minutes, you just want to read something. Sometimes you just want to read something, right? Here's a good one. Mr. Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote a little story called Rappuccini's Daughter. Giovanni Guasconti è arrivato in Padua, and he takes up residence in an apartment overlooking a garden belonging to Signor Rappuccini. Giovanni observes Rappuccini in his garden and comments on his intense study and obvious avoidance of the plants. He then watches, we call that stalking now, as Rappuccini's daughter... Beatrice, also known as Beatrice in English, comes out looking like and interacting with the flowers around her. There's a little more to this Beatrice than meets the eye. And you'll find out as you read this. Rappaccini's daughter would fall on the more difficult end of the reading scale as far as Halloween short stories are concerned. Something that is a little less strenuous reading, but just as spooky and I think more entertaining is Lamb to the Slaughter by Roald Dahl. Pregnant Mary Maloney awaits her husband's arrival. She's, a, she's meek, she's mild. Best part of her day is when her husband comes home. So he arrives to enjoy a before-dinner cocktail. Mr. Maloney is acting a little weird. Well, there's a reason, because he's about to tell his wife something very important. Now, the reader doesn't exactly know what he tells her, but whatever it is, it leaves Mrs. Maloney in a state of shock. And she pretends whatever it was he told her isn't true, and she starts to make dinner. Uh, Well, as it turns out, he's told her that she's going to leave her. So what does she do? She pulls a frozen leg of lamb out of the freezer, and, well, (laughs) I don't want to spoil it for you. Speaking of Roald Dahl, we have another Roald Dahl classic called The Landlady. Billy Weaver has arrived in Bath. That's the town in England, not the thing in your bathroom. He's there on a work assignment from London, and it's been a rather inconvenient train ride, and he just wants to get a room for the night and take care of business in the morning. Well, he gets a little more than he bargains for, as you might imagine, it's Halloween. <laughs> and we have 
Finally on our list, a very old man with enormous rings. Little little uh, enormous wings, not rings. That'd be a good story too, a very old man with enormous rings. Could you imagine trying to, you know, his hand would keep hitting the ground and that, or if he hit you. I remember when I was in sixth grade, my math teacher uh, had a, a big old ring and when students were acting up, he would come around and whack us on the head with it and it hurt. Because I was at an assembly once in sixth grade and I was goofing off and dude came up from behind me and just cranked me on the head with his ring turned upside down. I tell you, I was, uh, I don't think I'd experienced pain until I experienced that. Could you imagine doing that now? Whacking some kid on the head with your ring? Anyhow, very old man with enormous wings is something different. I've ever been hit with a wing, although I did see a vulture eating out the liver of a banana rat the other day. Speaking of Halloween, right? So in this story, a uh, man with... Well, enormous wings. Very old man, by the way, with enormous wings. Falls from the sky. Very old man with enormous wings. Falls from the sky. And that's when the Halloween magic happens. And on cue, my cat jumped up. So you get, my cats get the first crack at this podcast. Got two cats here. And uh, they, they're really excited. They're about as excited as my students are when I teach uh, grammar. <laughs> That sound can only mean one thing. It means it's time for If the you teach one... one thing from these stories that will make teaching other literary elements either no longer necessary or easier to teach, it would be setting and mood. Now, the setting plays such an important role and often takes on a life of its own in horror stories. So let's look at the setting from some of the stories we've been discussing. The landlady, as you might imagine, takes place at night. On a lonely road, Sonata for a Harp and a Bicycle takes place in a haunted hotel. The Monkey's Paw takes place in a slushy, out-of-the-way villa near a swamp. It's raining, it's thundering, it's miserable. The Lottery, well, the Lottery doesn't really fit the standard horror story setting. It's set on a nice spring day, but again, this story is different than the others, in so much that it's a quiet, peaceful, small town in the middle, at the beginning of summer, actually. It's like June 27th or something like that. So it kind of turns the setting on its head. Rappuccini's Daughter takes place in uh, in a romanticized garden, using the romantic era elements of setting for that. So if you're going to do, uh, if you're going to teach one thing, I would I would go with setting a little, put a setting lesson plan in the show notes. But, but basically, uh, for this assignment, you draw a big old circle in the middle, and around that, you draw five or six arrows, find specific descriptions of the setting, and then in the center, write down the mood that the setting creates. I'm going to throw that in the in the show freaking notes. Takeaways. Takeaway number one. Teach suspense with scary short stories with a simple chart and by identifying the three methods author used to create suspense, which would be foreshadowing pacing, and dangerous action. Takeaway number two. Setting and mood play a critical role and strongly affect other literary elements such as plot and conflict. And takeaway number three. Teach these stories any time of year because students want to read them, kind of. Give me a like and a review, but only if you like it. If you don't like it, don't give me a like and don't give me a review, but come back next time. I'll be better. Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA Podcast. For more teacher-ready, student-ready lesson plans, head on over to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. That's ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review. 